I believe we're here on this planet to grow and evolve. And as part of that growth process and having that belief uh, mechanism in your, in your mind, in your being, is that you just throw it out there. Something good is gonna happen. Welcome to Through the Tunnel, a Game Change Productions podcast that dives into sports and the life lessons that can be learned from them. The podcast is inspired by the book of the same name, written by Game Change co-founders Paul McDonald and yours truly, Jack Barrage. On the show today, Paul and I are joined by neuroscientist Dr. Glenn Fox. Dr. Fox teaches a class in high-performance mindset at the University of Southern California. We discuss with Dr. Fox the science of growth mindset and how a key factor for people to have this mindset is their ability to believe that they can learn new things and not be resigned to only knowing what they already know. We hope you enjoy the show, and please check us out at GameChangeNation.com or on one of our social media pages. So Glenn, we hear this term growth mindset a lot now. It's, it's become sort of part of the popular vernacular, especially for education. How can people develop, well, first of all, what is growth mindset and how can people better develop it? Growth mindset is a term coined by a researcher named Carol Dweck, who did a series of experiments measuring how much people believed that they could learn. That's it. And it was one simple belief, the belief that this experience could learn, that I could learn and improve based on what happens to me. And the degree to which people believed they could grow into challenges, that they could grow from what happens to them, and that they were not set in stone, that they were moldable, that they were growing and evolving and changing, the degree to which they believed in that predicted all kinds of important outcomes. So she coined the term growth mindset and published a host of really interesting papers. And it's luck we're lucky that it's filtered into the common vernacular. There are other terms that I won't mention as much that you hear a lot that I don't think are as good. But I think growth mindset is a really, really great concept. I think it's got great evidence behind it. I think it's very simple and I think people can take away from it. So. Just to reiterate, it's the belief that we can grow in response to what happens, that we can learn and achieve, and that um, striving is the way to do that. Okay. So, so how, how, do we, how do we incorporate that sort of way of thinking into our life, or maybe if we're trying to teach our kids to do the same thing, what, 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 what are very simple, practical things we can do to work on our growth mindset? Yeah, so I'd have a, a rhyme. Name it to tame it. So name it to tame it. So look for the opportunities where maybe we feel like we've got a fixed mindset. Now, a fixed mindset is the inverse of a growth mindset. The inverse is that our abilities and what happens to us is innate, mm -hmm. that we can't develop skills, that we are smart or we're not. You have it or you don't. How often have you heard that? You hear that all the time for entrepreneurs. Right. All the time we hear, well, you either got it or you don't. Yeah. I was on a call once, we're talking about depression and suicide risk in entrepreneurs. Um, this was at an academic conference, and one of the commentators said, "Well, maybe some people should just shouldn't try being entrepreneurs because it's it's brutal." Right. And that's a that's a fixed mindset. So when I say name it to tame it, learn to name growth or fixed moments in our life to say, "Ah, that's just the way it is." Nope, that's a fixed mindset. Right. Name it. So the growth mindset 
development process involves looking for opportunities to grow and incorporating that belief that challenges the way to do it, that that unlocking potential, not my favorite term, by the way, but that unlocking potential comes from steadily improving and looking at what happens to us as, as an impetus and reason and ingredient for change. Yeah, it's, you know, we, it's, I, it's, love, yeah. I love to tell Paul's story because it's an example of what you just described. When he started at SC, the quarterback was a guy named Vince Evans, who was a supremely athletic dude. And, and Paul knew he wasn't as athletic as him. And, he, and his growth mindset, which I think is great, is he found his way to be a great quarterback. And it wasn't being Vince Evans, it was being Paul McDonald. So he kind of figured out, the, as you said, named the problem, tamed it, and the taming of it was being his own best self, not trying to emulate what the other guy's doing. Yeah. Yeah, Paul, you must have seen this a ton in your career. Oh yeah, no, it's... Uh... How did you develop growth mindset? Or have you, have you like what... Have you struggled with fixed mindset? Like, how have you gone back there? So I've talked about the science and um, some of the implications. Like, how did you do it? I mean, in a practical sense. I think, and there's a chapter in the book, Play to Your Strengths. I think I, I've done that in my, in my life. And um, <laughs> I came into USC as a pre-dental major. I have no idea why I selected that, <laughs> but I did. And I was in second semester uh, in organic chemistry. And uh, I didn't know anything was going on for the first two weeks, nothing. And next to me was the guy who was the smartest guy that I knew. I asked him uh, and he said, I have no idea what this guy's talking about. <laughs> so I went and changed my major to business. Uh, and that worked out, you know, that, that worked out, that worked out fine. So I think being confident enough to, to, to make changes. And so I've had multiple experiences in life. And when I started broadcasting at SC, I had no idea what I was doing. And 1998 was my first year doing it, I did it with Lee Hamilton. I had no clue, no one told me a thing. But I walked in that booth and I, and I took the risk and people were gonna be listening to me. <laughs> and you know, the risk of like, get that guy off the air. And, and but I, and I kept doing it, I enjoyed it, I kept doing it, I got better and better and better. And that comes through trial and error, that comes through being confident enough to take those risks. And when you do, when you are confident enough to take those risks, good things are gonna come from it. Yeah, how else are you gonna get other things to happen apart from doing different different actions. Um, I want to return, so for your for your chemistry thing, I also want to highlight, if it were really important, if you really were built, you could have learned that stuff if you wanted to. Yes. So developmentally, like, I was all over the board. I was a terrible student. I hated school. I hated school pretty much until my junior or senior year of college. Um, and I was always a highly inquisitive, highly energetic, you know, kid. And a lot of teachers just absolutely hated me. And I had one teacher named Miss Semino, it's a perfect name, who just insisted I was just an ordinary kid, right? And so um, she was telling me all the time, like, you're just not that smart, right? So a fourth grader. As a fourth grader? Telling a fourth grader. Wow. wow. You're just wow. not that smart, wow. right? And so what do you do with your worldview? Well, I don't need to be the most gifted and smart person. I work my butt off. That's why I'm here. Hey, people, he's and, a neuroscientist, by the way. This and, guy's a neuroscientist. Yeah. <laughs> well, go ahead. Continue with your story. I do, yeah, yeah, I mean, I won school. I won. Like, there's no more. I won. I, I made it. I beat the boss level. Totally. Right. Um, you know, but that that belief stayed with me a lot, That especially math. She's like, just don't do the easiest math you can get. And... Wow. It stuck with me yeah. until college 
And I was taking remedial math. And finally, I had a teacher say, Glenn, it's not going to make sense at first. You've got to practice. Right. You've got to, you just learn the basics. You just got to go back, learn the basics and practice and just spend time looking at numbers. And I got better little by little. And finally, she's like, you could do any math you want to do. You're fine. And I was like, oh. And it started to click. And I started to memorize things. I started to do the pattern recognition and speak the language of math and go. And that's all it is. It's like, oh, I start to feel how things go. And went on to become a fairly decent like data scientist and programmer. And because I changed my belief that like, oh, I can learn this stuff. I'm not stuck. And the research is really clear. Like this whole right left brain thing is mostly myth. Now it can define certain aspects of personality. Some people do love numbers intrinsically and some love art intrinsically, of course, Mm -hmm. but everybody's using all their brain all the time. Okay. So it's this, this belief that you're born to be a math person or not is totally wrong. But the, the, but the teacher planted that in you. Absolutely. Such yeah. that you believed it because you, right. you know, she was a superior, she was a yep. teacher. Yeah. And so she must have known what she was talking about. Yeah. And so you believed it. So when I was at SC, I wasn't very fast, still not very fast. Um, but I, uh, John Robinson wanted me to get faster as a head coach. So he put me with the track coach. Right. And I started running track with this guy and assistant track coach. And, you know, I thought I was doing okay. I didn't, I didn't know. I mean, and after like three or four sessions with him, he said, we don't need to do this anymore. You're fast enough. You just don't believe you're fast. I'm like, really? That's it? Is that all it is? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and then and I went out and ran. I, I probably took two to three tenths of a second off my 40 ton by doing that. Yeah. And a lot of that had to do with this guy just telling me, you just need to believe you are. You're fast enough. Right? Instead of everyone else listening to everyone else saying, you're not fast at all, man. You're slow and you're not fast. So I had one guy that believed in me right. and I believed what he said. Right. And so therefore I changed my opinion of myself. Yep. Don't you just wish like we could bottle that across the whole globe? Yes. Yeah. Right? Yes. Of like this problem is solvable. Yeah. Right? Like this, this thing is doable. Like you can change how you approach things, right? Like you can learn the best way to do it. You know, in Carol Dweck's research, uh, so much of it is just simple priming. I mean, simple priming. Simply telling a student, boy, you're really smart, or boy, you must work really hard, really determined how far along that student went. It determined what they achieved. The students who heard, oh, I'm smart, they felt good maybe in that moment. They felt like, yeah, yeah, cool, I'm smart, right? But they quit when things got hard. Like, well, that's as smart as I am. I guess that's it. Versus students who were here, you're a hard worker. That made all the difference and those students achieved at a far greater level. Wow. You know, I had a mentor when I was first learning to restore cars. I was my best friend's dad. And um, my parents, we didn't have much structure. (laughs) We were kind of all over the place. And and so I was kind of left to my own devices out there in the world. And... Um, loving parents, you know, good good parents, but just not not a lot of structure. And so, um, my friend's dad was a really regimented, fundamentals of life kind of guy. He was a fire chief, and he just believed you wake up early, you work your butt off, you come home, you support your family, you don't do fancy dance moves, you just yeah. make it work. And it was the first person I'd ever heard say that. And I remember we were working, um, we were building a shed, and so we're framing and 
cutting the lumber. And I literally didn't know how to read a tape measure at the beginning of the day. And so he just said, he was like, what? You don't? He's like, all right, all right. So he laughed a little, made fun of me for a second. And he said, come here, you're going to learn. You're going to learn. And so we sat with the tape measure and the chop saw and he showed me how to do it. And I was like, from that day, I'm like, I totally flying around and doing fractions, doing all this stuff. And at the end of the day, he said, you know, Glenn, like, you're a hard worker. And it was like one of the first times I'd ever heard somebody tell me, you're a hard worker. And I still remember it. So four words, you're a hard worker. And I still think back to Scott telling me that. It was really inspiring. The next day I came back and was like, we built a shed, we built cars. Just because he, somebody I respected deeply, somebody I loved and cared for me, said, you're a hard worker. And that I carry with me. I still think about that exact moment all the time, right? So that's that just shows that simple switch from I'm stuck, I don't know how to do this, to no, I can work hard and make this better. Immensely powerful words. Hey guys, thanks for listening to Through the Tunnel. If you like the show, please be sure to subscribe, rate, and review it. It'll really help others who love sports and the lessons they provide to find the show and together create Game Change Nation, a community that is dedicated to lifting each other up. Also, we'd love to hear your stories, so please visit GameChangeNation.com or any of our social media pages to give us your take on sports and life. And finally, check out our book, Through the Tunnel, which is now available on Amazon. Thanks again for listening and have an awesome day.